Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Wonderful. Um, I always like to start off by saying uh, we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. Um, if you were to kind of give, you know, the bio that's not on your website. Uh, what would it be? Who are you? Oh, wow. I'm H. Melt. I'm a poet. And I love ice cream and Chicago hot dogs and uh, spending time with my queer and trans chosen fam. And um yeah, I wear a lot of pink and blue and purple, and I'm just excited to to be a trans writer alive at this time and um, be able to, yeah, just share my experiences and parts of my life. And even more importantly, I think my dreams for the future with other people. Nice. Now, before we get to the writing, then I got to know what goes on the perfect Chicago hot dog. Oh, I mean, there's a lot of elements. I mean, there's <laughs> a traditional Chicago hot dog that is a steamed poppy seed bun, a Vienna beef hot dog. That to me, honestly, is like one of the most important parts um, is that it is Vienna beef specifically and not any other brand. <laughs> Onions, uh, hot peppers, relish, celery salt, pickle spears, tomatoes. I think I got everything. Nice. I know that makes me really jealous okay. sitting over here. Yeah. We're, I'm, I'm right now in the middle of uh, I'm in the middle of Central Oregon right now, and while the uh, while the nature I can't complain about uh, the lack of accessibility to good food, uh, I definitely can complain about. That sounds fantastic. So, um, I know that obviously, uh, like you just said, you you are you are an incredibly passionate writer, incredibly passionate person, as I've just heard from you or uh, your bio, not from your website. Um, what do you love? What are you truly the, what are those passions and how did you get to those? I love trans youth, honestly. Um, I'm fortunate that I get to see a lot of young trans people and 
young non-binary folks from like birth um, to like five-year-olds to middle schoolers and high schoolers. I feel really fortunate that I get to be part of their lives and get to recommend books to them and just be part of um, their vast like growing communities and it's just so sweet to me and in particular I would say it is healing as a trans adult to be able to see trans children with supportive parents and with parents who are trying and um, that is like a gift that I didn't necessarily know how much I needed um, as someone who like wasn't really allowed to like express my gender freely as a kid and who didn't have trans community as a kid or even know what transness was um, that definitely is like nurturing a little baby H melt for sure. That's awesome. And I love that. And I, and I, um, I teach, I teach middle school um, and I've taught for almost 20 years now. So I've had, I've had, I've watched a lot of kids on their journey. Um, and especially over the last couple of years where uh, I think more kids have felt comfortable with name changes. Um, it's been really it watching the struggle of, of children and their parents and how that interaction plays out. Uh, it's when you find the right group of parents, it, it really is, it, it's super heartwarming. Um, as a classroom teacher, I'm curious though, you've also written a curriculum for your book. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm curious how that came about and what has the reaction been and from, from teachers and what have you seen, uh, what have you seen come of that? Yeah, it was really important to me that teachers especially were able to use the book and use it not as a way to introduce sort of trans 101, but to go deeper and use trans art and writing to connect to trans history and also just to like provide creative ways and lesson plans and questions and activities uh, to affirm their trans students and also just to create a more trans inclusive classroom. Um, that was definitely something that I was missing, especially at the high school age and earlier, there was no trans education. There was no real trans art or literature that I was exposed to or that teachers were introducing me to at that age. And so I just wanted to make sure that um, the work was being used in order to like create a safer world for trans youth. And 
I also, you mean to say that there's no that there wasn't a ton of literature out there, especially in the schools that might have sounded like you, looked like you, felt like you, uh, that 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 wasn't that wasn't promoted and provided by teachers. Not a whole <laughs> lot, no, definitely not around queerness or around transness. Um, I mean, we didn't even read very much contemporary writing, I would say, but. Yeah, I, I think teachers are really important. And I know that so many teachers in my life and trans educators in particular, who the guide is also for, um, they play such an important role in keeping trans people and trans kids alive. So I just wanted to create something that was a gift to them and for them. And I was lucky enough to work with an amazing educator based in LA who wrote a study guide for another Haymarket poetry book, 1919 by Eve Ewing, Rabia Kassam Clay. Um, she's fantastic and she helped pull out what themes and ideas I, I really wanted to focus on. And, I'm very grateful for her incredible guidance. That's awesome. Haymarket really does a good job of, of book selection and really social change and social justice pieces that don't act as, um, like they're not out there as, you know, the like, you know, lit porn. They're actually out there as, as teaching and, and truly impactful pieces. And it's pretty amazing what they put together. Um, Let's talk poetry for a second. What is your process for writing? Are you uh, light 14 candles behind you, must have two you know, sticks of incense burning and a glass of tea? Or are you, uh, you know, sitting on the bus writing on your notes app or in your car in the middle of traffic? Uh, where, where and when do you write? I have two answers to this. One is in my bed. The other is in writing workshops, um, often with other poets. And um, often when I'm by myself, I'm editing or fleshing out those ideas that have taken seed in writing workshops. Um, but the bulk of my like actual physical writing, I would say happens in my bed very late at night or early in the morning or on my days off um that's when it happens are you a notebook person or a phone person absolutely not a phone person i yeah i have a notebook um it is shiny <laughs> and has a bunch of stickers on it one says queer nation, one says trans pride, trans power, one says support trans futures, queer love keeps out the cold, and then <laughs> not gay isn't happy, but queers and fuck guys. Nice. So do you find, so it kind of sounds like you, you write better, obviously, or not write better, you do, uh, 
as I'm losing my own questions. Uh, it sounds like the workshop environment for you works well. Um, is that because you get your ideas there? Is that because there's a, a busyness of other writers going on around you? What do you find exhilarating about that workshop experience that maybe, uh, what's the difference between writing solo and writing in that space? Yeah, so I think it's important to distinguish, I'm talking about community-based workshops or one-off workshops led by specific poets or teachers. I'm talking about like, you know, a couple week summer sort of programs. Um, you know, I'm talking about workshops like six-week workshops put on by poetry organizations across the country many of which have been virtual the past couple of years and often they're they're based around specific themes like I took a queer poetry class um, I've taken a bunch of classes with Shira Ehrlichman uh, one of nice. the prompts in my latest book there are trans people here was written in a workshop workshop with Safia El Hilo, who's fantastic. Um, many of them started in those sorts of spaces and things that I was like electively choosing to do. Um, yeah, so I just want to be clear who is leading and who is in the workshop is very important. And it is those, those, those spaces where I trust not just the instructor, but also the people coming into this space where I'm allowed to, to be my best writerly self. Mm. Perfect. When it comes to your, uh, your writing career over the last you know, handful of years uh, and leading up to that, I guess, what was the moment you felt like you knew that you were a writer? Uh, and how did you move from that piece to like, what was the catalyst that actually pushed you into, you knew you had to be a published writer or you wanted to publish your work. You wanted other people to actually have access to what you were saying. What was kind of the catalyst for that? Was there a, an author you read where you were like, I know that I can do that. Or uh, was it an early workshop that you got you there? Or how did, how did your writing journey start? Yeah, I've been writing for my entire life and around like the questions of when I really felt like a writer, I think was once I had a community of writers locally here in Chicago, when I had sort of other poets to turn to for advice, um, for workshop, to go to their events, um, once I started organizing poetry events in Chicago and teaching, leading my own poetry workshops for young people, um, I think that's when I really started to just center most of my life around poetry and around writing, it was just this like feeling of being surrounded by community and support and resources and just being an active participant in cultivating a poetry community in Chicago, I think that's when I really felt it, um, more so than like 
you know, publishing any sort of individual poem or anything like that. It really was just about the people who were listening to my work and the audiences that I was sitting in and, you know, the various like retreats that I was going to, uh, spending time with other writers. And I especially want to shout out Nate Marshall, who I consider my first like real close poetry friend. Nice. Um, I love him so much and I, he has definitely taught me a lot about how to cultivate a supportive writing friendship and community and yeah he's a he's definitely a good a good big brother mentor to uh, to have around he's a he's an amazing person an amazing author as well what do you think have been your, have there been a few like big pitfalls along the way, maybe like that imposter syndrome that's crept in or um, how have you dealt with any pitfalls or obstacles along the way? Or have you, maybe they've just kept with you and that's pushed you farther in your writing. Yeah, publishing, trying to publish as an out trans writer and particularly trying to publish books has been really difficult with very little like tangible support from the publishing industry. Mm. Um, I also feel like there's still very little, very minimal coverage of trans literature and trans poetry in particular um, mm. within the poetry world and especially work that challenges cis audiences and is direct and blunt. I think that there's a little bit of fear and also ignorance and also just like structural gatekeepers, right? Like the recent former editor of the New York Review of Books, um, who just wrote this really transphobic, turfy op-ed, um, right? Like controlling the coverage in one of the biggest literary outlets, right? Like there's just, yeah. publishing has a transphobia problem and refuses to admit it. And even when major institutions like the American Booksellers Association send out a very explicitly transphobic book, um, which I won't name because it doesn't need any more promotion, <clears throat> but they sent out this book for free to a bunch of indie bookstores all around the country as like the part of they have a monthly mailing program where they send right. new books to independent bookstores and you know they really didn't get it and don't get it and um it's such a contrast to the need that I actually see I mean just yesterday two different family members of 
trans middle schoolers um, came into my day job asking specifically for books for them. And that happens every single day with people of all ages. And there's just like, there are more unfortunately transphobic books that exist in the world and certainly that get major support from corporate publishers. Um, and I would like that tide to turn. So with that in mind then, uh, who should we be reading? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> just because there's so many people um, that I can name. I guess I'll start just with the anthology that I edited because it has multiple trans poets in it, subject to change. Um, that was put out with Sibling Rivalry Press, which is a fantastic press and I had such a great experience with them. Um, that has not been my experience working like with most publishers or publications. Um, they, they have been so supportive and were from the very beginning and still are years after that book has been published. Um, I really love this book called Dead Collections that is <laughs> about a trans archivist who is also a vampire. Um, right. That's a recent fiction book that I've read. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so many people that I could name. Um, right now I am reading Fatima Oscar's forthcoming novel, uh, When We Were Sisters, and it's always exciting to see her branch out into a different medium and form and she's just so skilled at adapting her art and her voice um, and the topics that she's interested in in various different mediums and so it's been a joy to see how she approaches fiction and writing a novel um, that's what I'm reading right now very nice. And then uh, as we kind of wrap things up, where can we find your work and what can we see coming up next for you? Yeah, you can find my work through Haymarket Books. Uh, there are trans people. Here's my latest book. And like we talked about earlier, it comes with a free study guide. There's a shorter version in the physical book itself and then a much longer like 20 page version online through the Haymarket Books website. Um, I definitely recommend that people use it and spread it and print it out and make copies and send it to your teacher friends. Um, that's, that's the best place to, to find my most recent work. And then I'm currently working on a book for trans youth that centers around trans ancestors and icons. Um, that's my next big project that I'm working on. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, H. Melt, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and I look forward to reading your work uh, in the future. Have yeah, a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.